So glad you're here, comic fam. Podcast number 67. We're available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And I'm at the table with two good friends, two Overstreet advisors. We got Milgi Comics in the house. Hey, Russ Bright. We got the g- g- Golden Age Guru. What is up, my homies? It's good of you to join me for this very special podcast. Russ. How did you even make time out of your busy day running a local comic shop? Oh my gosh, I uh, it's later than usual is kind of the deal. Like I came in and I'm just excited to be here because we've got some fantastically cool things to talk about today. So I had to make time. We're gonna talk about a comic book that is literally invisible. Hit the like, slap the subscribe button and join us on the best new place to buy and sell funny books, records, Pokemon cards, I mean, you can get like sports cards on there. We're talking about whatnot. And this is an application where you can find me and both of you guys on there. We just Mm -hmm. did an extensive podcast. You got to check out the last um, episode of the show where we dive deep. Ryan, Ryan Golden Age Guru. We hit the mic and we chatted with the co-publishers of the brand new publishing company that has been founded since the announcement at Denver Fan Expo. But... This podcast is indeed sponsored by Whatnot, and you can find myself and both of you guys on there. How has uh, Whatnot changed your day-to-day, Russ, as an LCS? Well, um, my gosh, massively. It really, truly has. I've had to focus, instead of doing local, normal comics, I'm actually doing more stuff for the show. It gives me more of an opportunity to sell the things that I wouldn't necessarily be able to sell to the local people. I can constantly be selling to the world, which is awesome. Being able to expand my microcosm, we've talked about that before, you have a much larger audience to sell to. And that's a great thing, because I have things that may not necessarily sell locally that'll sell a whole lot better to everyone all around the interwebs. All right, comic fam, um, go join all of our stores on whatnot. And we are going to actually be heading to San Diego Comic-Con this very week if we get the podcast out on time. So take a look for us just chilling on the con floor, hunting for books like we typically do. Also, we are currently in active enrollment for the August Mystery Mail Call. And one per box, we have a Peach Momoko Gambit issue number one, dual exclusive with whatnot. We have trade dress versions going out. We have virgins going out at random. You can go to comictom101.com to join the community. One per box. Give me an excuse to send you comic books every single month. And we're going to dive into this show here because we are talking about what many would believe is a bad idea a company that was founded years ago that's made some interesting marketing moves. But before we get to that, before we get to the invisible comic book, because invisibility was created over the last year, two years actually, I want to get into the crazy things people buy, literally. And when I say that, what does that bring to mind as it pertains, like viewing it through the filter of the comic book collectible uh, just the variety of options you have for comics instead of just a standard comic you know maybe it's a a double cover or a uh, an issue that didn't get the proper color strikes a little bit of an error there uh, those are just novelties like that in the hobby and those tend to be the things that i like i like a little bit of the outside of the obviously golden age and rare books i do like a little bit of the strange and unusual 
sometimes it makes them worth money. And I find that fascinating. And when you kind of unravel that, you know, thought process of getting past the uncomfortable aspect of paying for what we jokingly call expensive paper, mm-hmm. well, then it starts to become an opinion. So when I say diving into the crazy things people buy, we have to put kind of like quotations around that because it's an opinion. But as an LCS, Russ, you meet so many different collectors. I'm sure you get a a good taste of the variety because we're talking about scarcity to a degree. Oh, absolutely. We have people who collect a bunch of different type of things. And uh, some of the things that, I mean, I hadn't even really thought about this when we were prepping for this show, but some of the things that people collect are, again, if you get diamond cut comics, comics that kind of went through the thing wrong or staples in the wrong place. One of the things that I really like, and as I get collections, you can tell they've come from the East Coast, ones that are actually stamped like property of Marvel or sure. Marvel complimentary copy, I love those. Or things that are, again, we, we've definitely gone very deep into the Mark Jeweler variants, but there are even ones that are stamped for military use only on the front that were given away to, you know, the soldiers that served overseas. Finding comics like that, sometimes they're worth a premium, sometimes they're not, but there's always a collector for something that's scarce like that. So many of these comic books, they were printed in like, crazy mass. I think maybe to a novice, they'd be surprised how many hundreds of thousands of some of these books exist. Mm -hmm. So when there are these subcategories that get created by the collectors, because, hey, you kind of vote with your dollars here, um, then you have a unique situation taking place. On one end, we have the rise of the newsstand. You know, this is a a, a method of distribution that had to be notated by a barcode on the front of the cover that dwindled in um, percentage being created over time to the point now where they make up under 5% of print runs in the modern age. And some key books that are high grade with a newsstand barcode indicates a level of scarcity that makes them hyper expensive. But on the other end, Russ, you've been an advocate of Whitman editions since I've known you, right. which is a comic book that would have been included in a multi-pack and, you know, labeled with a different logo. But people don't really care about Whitman's, do they? Not really. And they're basically second prints of these books. But we saw a massive frenzy when you and I made that video about the DCU variants. And those are second and third prints of the DC books. But all of a sudden, people really wanted the DCU logo variants and still don't care about the Whitman variants. They're ostensibly the same thing, just 20 years apart. Dude, we were at um, a recent convention. Shout out, Tony, my brother. And... He was hunting in a bunch of long boxes as we were walking in through the door. I even, I, like, I pointed him out. I'm like, yo, look at it, it's Tony. And what was Tony doing? He looks up and he look, he's like, he's like a, a, a ravenous beast. He found prey. He, he, he lifts his head up among the, amongst uh, the long box, the sea of long box. And he goes, yo, man, there's, there's so many Mark Jewelers. I just found a freaking, I hit him. I hit him. I got to get back in. And awesome. he goes right back. He's, he's digging for these Mark Jewelers. Haven't you seen an interest in Mark Jewelers over the years of just covering the market? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was in on Jewelers early in these double covers, and a lot of people weren't into them maybe 10 years ago. Sure. Okay, so it's slowly grown. And the thing is, we got to really look at it. There is the normal publication of a book, but then it's so common. There are so many books from the 70s and the 80s. So to see it actually a little bit different, adds a little extra excitement to somebody who's already seen it a thousand times in their collecting career. Mm -hmm. So for me, who's seen 
so many books over and over and over again to find that abnormality just in the wild. And for Tony, the same thing. Tony is a heavy collector. Shout out Comic Butch. He just joined us on the podcast. Hit the like button, Comic Fan. We do it for Butch. Butch loves jewelers. (laughs) So when he, like you said, I was right next to you. I mean, he was sweating. He was so excited. I mean, it I felt it for him. The energy is real at a convention comic fan. I mean, he had fistfuls. He was like, oh, God, those jewelers are gone. <laughs> he could barely talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sorry, we got to go, but I would wish I was digging with you. Keep going. Yeah. So it's just, like I said, it adds a little something different to an already a uh, big hobby that can be very common if you've been in it long enough. I want to hear from the community in the comment section below. There are so many random like subcategories, whether it's misprints or, you know, how vibrant is the color on the, uh, the the ink on the cover, which makes it a bit more collectible if it's an expensive book, i.e. Giant Size or Hulk 181 mm. or even Tomb of Dracula one. I want to in the comment section, what tickles your fancy? Because I understand if someone goes, you know what? I, I don't care that there's a double cover. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Tear the, the top cover off like they used to do back in the day because that cover underneath is probably better looking and I'd rather have one cover. I don't want a misprint. I don't want an error print. But then I also understand the person on the other end going, never remove that double cover. That is a unique specimen. Right. You know, what gets you excited? What doesn't make sense? Let me know in the comment section. It'll answer you to win this invincible number one Omni-Man Tyler Kirkham variant. We are fast approaching 55,000 subscribers on the channel. Hot damn comic fam. We don't die. We multiply. Let me know in the comment section below what you think about these anomalies. Oh my gosh. The cat here is real from this cat. He be shedding. Hit the like button if you want to see a cat cam. I'm thinking we're gonna have to make that happen. And This got me thinking about one of our most controversial times on the mic where we covered some news, Russ. It happened years ago, 2020, in fact. We need to talk about Marvel Previews 95. If we're going to talk about things that people may view as, quote, crazy, potentially, we got to take it back to a comic book analysis that really caused a stir in the community and riled up a lot of feelings in the community. Oh, they absolutely were. I mean, when we were on the... so Break it down, Sensei. Edge of Spider-Verse had come out, and people were just trying to get as many appearances of Miles Morales as possible. And really, people were looking for the Ultimate Fallout 4, they're looking for the 1 in 25 variant. And again, as they start digging, you try to find what's the real, actual, true first of the shout-out Topher. We ended up finding out that in Marvel Previews number 95, there was the cover with Miles Morales, and it actually predated his Ultimate Fallout 4 appearance. So when Tom and I went to the mic and started talking about a CDC 9.8 that sold for $2,000, there was a massive uproar. There were some people that were, number one, upset about the fact that we were even focusing on this. How could you say that this is a book that anyone would care about? And then you had the other side of the collectors who were like, dude, don't tell anyone about that. That's my secret. We saw both sides of it. That's my honeypot, right? There were people who were like, dude, I've been picking those up super cheap because no one knew what they were. But the fact that there were so few 9.8s on the census... We didn't really know what way it was going to go until Tom actually got the buyer of this book on the mic. And what did he say? Well, it was it was such a, a loud uproar. I was it's like one of the first times I was seeing like my name brought up 
in Facebook forums and people kind of complaining because it was like <laughs> as, if, as it was as if it was my book that sold right. and I talked about it on the mic to sell it, which is not at it's not at all what happened. Not what we do, yeah. No, actually, on the contrary, that was being like kind of brought up that maybe I, I helped the sale because I was hyping the book or something. So I thought, oh, it's so absurd. Yeah. But let's see if we can find the buyer. And the buyer reached out. Buyer reached out. We kind of like threw it out there. Like we'd like to talk to the buyer. Buyer reached out. And I had him on the mic. And we talked about this very subject, trying to explain the investment on something that possibly the majority of people in our community would go, that just seems absurd. There's no way. Yeah. And I think the quote was, I saw, well, you know what he said? He said, it's miles. Right. That's really all he had to say. He said totally. he looked at the census count. I think at the time it was under eight of them that were graded a 9.8 on the census. And he spent like a little over 2000 Actually, GPA says it was $2,100. May 2020. Wow. So this dates it a little bit here. And he came on the show. And a lot of the reason why he came on the show is because he saw how much negativity was was kind of like that purchase, like it, it definitely bothered people. And he, he wanted to explain himself and he explained himself quite well. He thought it was a good investment. It's miles. And fast forward, August, 2021, the start and like kind of in the heart of the comic boom last year, a 9.8, which by the way, we're going to talk about the census count because it has increased, but not by much. Sold for $11,600. Sounds like a good investment to me. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So it was under 10 at the time of coverage. And some of the things people were saying were, oh, this is so terrible. There's going to be people who are going to break out boxes of this. They're going to find this in these in warehouses. There's going to be just countless of them graded. Mm -hmm. So the rise of this book, because it was rising as Ultimate Fallout 4 and the Dejevic variant rose up. Well, people were looking at this going, well, it's just going to tank because there's going to be so many that hit the census. Comic fam, I'm reporting today on the CGC census of a 9.8. There are more of them. There's a total of 13. Now, doesn't sound like a lot because it isn't, especially when you look at Miles' first appearance. And Russ, what did we find? We found out that for Miles' first appearance, there were 3,269.8s of the ultimate Fallout 4. That's right. And Taking it one step further, of the Dejevic variant, last count as of uh, the filming of this, a total of 158 9.8s on the census. And we haven't even gotten to the issue prior, issue 94. Now, issue 94 is a little bit tougher pill to swallow for some people because in 95, it is absolutely Miles on the cover. It is the ultimate Spider-Man, the Miles Morales uh, volume. He is on the cover of it leaping at you. In 94, he actually shows up where they have the Dejevic connecting covers. So you see him in full Miles Morales on an interior page. There's like Captain America on the cover and whatnot. Really, really tough book to find. No one was looking for it. We found a recent sale of this book, a 9.4 for $280. Oh, dude, that's available right now. Oh, it's that a... It wasn't what sold. Yeah, that's available right now. Under 300 bucks for 9.4. People aren't even buying them. So that right there kind of shows that there is a point. Because this is long enough now. Maybe in the early days we can say, oh, FOMO could be applied here. Low-key members don't know about this stuff. But no, this is on Key Collector We've been talking about this for a while, yeah. Well, didn't let, catch up. Yeah, let me chime in a little bit just to give a little perspective here because I remember when this happened. I wasn't part of the video, mm -hmm. but I watched the video and I saw the comment section. And it's interesting because it's it's the, the conversation of 
um, what is a comic, what isn't. It comes down to that, really. Right. Like, oh, it's not really a comic. I need everybody else to think back. This isn't a brand new thing. Okay. If you go to your price guide, there is an entire section called promotional. True. All right. They've been doing promotional comic books. And this will tie in, too, to this invisible comic. Same thing. All right. This is a preview. It's not really a comic, a part of the whole comics, you know, run. It's kind of a promotional, it's, or it is just a part of the comic I mean, thing. It's literally a catalog. called previews. It's a catalog comic. Right. These were free. But these still matter because there is a, a huge promotional book, Motion Pictures Weekly number, oh God, I forget what number it is, but it's the first appearance of Submariner before Marvel Comics 1. Mm. An extremely rare book, massively coveted, massively coveted. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a comic to have value or to count. The collectors are going to decide that, and that's what we're seeing here. It's falling into the people who should decide it, not your opinion because you're not into it or just because you want to take a hard stance that you can't ever change or view a different perspective. It's going into the collectors and the hobbyists to figure it out. And that's where it should matter most. Motion Picture Funnies Weekly issue number one um, was a pamphlet. Only nine copies are known to exist. Um, Rumored that it was intended to be a giveaway in theaters, but the full run was never actually released. Mm -hmm. Then you have Marvel Comics issue number one, starting the, the Marvel name, but also introducing the Submariner in comics for the first time. And Human Torch, by the way. And Human Torch. But it technically gets the second appearance on... Um, on Key Collector specifically because Motion Picture Funnies Weekly is a comic book-sized promotional item that exists, and it's it's almost incalculable right now what that would go for because they're so rare. Right. Absolutely. So. I mean, that I would have. I'd rather have that book over a Marvel Comics one oh for my. rarity. Whoa. Okay. For hold rarity. Up, hold up, I'm Jack. not saying that it isn't. I'm surprised a cooler to hear book, that. Though. But for me, because that's what I'm saying. It, I don't collect just because it's like the most expensive book or the most important because of rarity plays a huge factor, mm-hmm. especially in the golden age. That's Are you surprised to hear that, Russ? I actually am because it's one of those things if you're like, I really want a Marvel Comics number one as the pinnacle. And yeah, I know it's a promotional thing, but that's 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 crazy. I am more likely to get a Marvel Comics one than I am a Mosha picture. Yes. Oh, yeah, to find so one, have it fall on your lap. Right. right. So if that opportunity <laughs> comes... Once you're, in a lifetime. Right. So you're almost... Multiple lifetimes. It's almost wiser for you to want to grab that side by side. Um, and even Apple's to Apple, like price-wise, I don't even know what that price would go for. Right now with the hype of Submariner, <laughs> I mean, I'd imagine it's less than Marvel Comics 1, but I feel like I, I'd if I can get a Marvel Comics 1 now, then I might as well get a motion picture weeklies and get that Marvel Comics again later. Comic fam, let me know in the comic... Comment. I keep saying comic section. Okay. Let me know in the comment section, the back issue section um, below what you think about this conundrum. Marvel Comics 1 or Motion Picture Weekly. Week, funny. Week, funny so Weekly. Weekly number one. Uh, why can't we? Re- okay, I've we're going to literally never heard of comic this. Comic fam, we are going to learn this oh, yeah. together. Yeah, it's crazy. Motion Picture Funnies Weekly number one. We have to all memorize that, not just as a team, but as a group, collectively, comic fam. Let's learn about funny books and let's also give a big shout out because we're going to connect this conversation because you brought up a real first appearance and I have a real first appearance that I secured over the last couple of years. And we're going to talk about that here in a second because I was in a documentary. That's right. Well, it's coming out soon. Yeah, I was going to say we're going to talk about it soon and 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 I'll get to it, but not before we talk about 
Hero Restoration Hot Damn. Okay, so this uh, company, they, they're, they're magicians. They literally have family ties to Harry Potter. Because there's a lot of secrecy within this company. But when you really look at the lineage, there are individuals who are part of this company that actually have dabbled in magic. I'm not going to say the occult, but for sure the supernatural. All right. HRComics.com is where you can send your expensive paper to be fixed. Make them their best selves um, by, by artists, but specifically comic experts who know how to fix it. And we have a picture to show you just how much a press, a cleaning, can better a comic book. This is where you send your Avengers 1 to, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, if you go to their Instagram page specifically, because that's the one I follow. Link in the description. They... Um, they constantly put up new photos. So their latest is an Avengers one with a massive spine roll and plus extra staples all along the spine. But they fix this spine roll so immediately you know you have better eye appeal. Okay, it looks far better from just that alone. Then they press the cover as well, which Russ, you looked at that as uh, mm-hmm. uh, too. And what did you think with the, the pressing of that cover? Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, really, it's one of those things that there are a lot of people out there who are doing pressing and restoration. And Hero Restoration is absolutely in the top percent. I definitely recommend them. Their results are impressive every single time. And I'll tell you where it goes a little further because, I mean, I press and other people press too. So there's a lot of people who do it. And you can learn very well with time and practice and you get to the same level maybe at some point if you make that a dedication. You still see residuals from a press sometimes. So you don't always necessarily get it fully out. But I've seen with them that they get that little extra bit, okay? Because you you, you, you can see a press and you can see sometimes a wrinkle came out, but it's still a little bit there. But you did a good job. You gave yourself a pat on the back. You're like, oh, I did the best I could and I improved the book. Right. But they'll take it a little bit further where it's just a little more faint than anything I think I could do without putting the extra time. And at that point, you might as well have the professional do it. Seeing in some of the pictures on their Instagram, truthfully, you can look at them and go, if I were to do this, I could make the crease look better. Their crease looks removed. It's really impressive how well they can do on a lot of these books. I'm actually shocked sometimes when I see the A and B photos on these. Comic fam, go do yourself a favor. Follow Hero Restoration on Instagram. At the very least, you're going to be hit with some awesome eye candy. I think Mm -hmm. it's always really fun to see before and afters. (laughs) They'll get you motivated wanting you to press some stuff. It'll also give you some ideas when you're looking at comics going, you know what? This could be a 9.4, 9.6, 9.8 if you get it to the right individuals or if you take on the duties, as Jeff said, and start practicing, which I encourage. I love pressing me some books, but time is tough. And if you're not really diligent, and you're doing it all the time, you may mess up. And messing up on most comic books is no big deal, but if it's an expensive book, if it's an Avengers number one, you're going to really be upset. But that's not what this conversation is about. HRComics.com, big shout out to um, the second sponsor of the show. And we got to get into, um, I want to bring it back. I want to bring it back to the Submariner issue that we were just talking about, Motion Picture Funnies Weekly number one. Because Motion Picture Funnies Weekly number one is a very scarce book, and it's a promotional item. I've mentioned the Hellboy lens on the show multiple times. Mm-hmm. I use this um, analogy, this, this example regularly 
when discussing first appearances and cameo appearances because how dicey does this get being that we discuss so many trending books and it's the trending books that kind of come and go largely because of something that's new that happened. And a lot of the times that when books get like trendingly hot, it's because of a first appearance and or cameo. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even as recently as like talking about the Moon Knight things, we had the Warren Ellis Moon Knight run at the head of the first appearance of Mr. Knight. And then people started talking about Secret Avengers, which is the first time we saw Moon Knight in the Moon Knight suit. So people are always looking for that. What's the first? What's the real first? And Hellboy is one of those that every single time you turn around, you find another one go, oh, Maybe it was that one because Mignola had been working on this Hellboy character for forever. It's just a really good example of how dicey things can get because we were talking about Marvel previews before. And I think one of the big determinations of the value of that book outside of Miles being on the cover is the size of the book. Mm -hmm. I think collectors really enjoy comic book size. We even seen that with Star Wars keys because a lot of these Star Wars key books were adapted from a larger oversized retelling of the story. Mm -hmm. But it's the comic books that people are after. It's specifically something that's going to fit in their short box, their long box, you know, their, their, their frame or something on set like we have here. So um, one of the very, very earliest grails that I added to my list was a Hellboy key book that were known to exist, but they're essentially known as ghost comic books. Hellboy collectors know them. I've known it. You guys have heard me talk in length about this. When I first met you, Jeff, I asked you about this book. I told you to keep it on your radar. Russ, I have told you multiple times, and you've told, I can't even, I don't even know how many people, because you see so many more individuals, to keep an eye out for this particular collectible. Oh, yeah. Great Salt Lake Comic-Con pamphlet, debuted in 1991. Um, this was the Demon that Hellboy was commissioned to draw on the inside of a uh, convention at the Great Salt Lake Comic Con, and it was given out. It's a little oversized, and we'll show the cover of this on the screen because this is my copy. I acquired it last year, and I purchased purchased this copy from the person who acquired it from the from eBay, which was the last eBay sale of this item, dating back to before I believe it was 2012. We're talking. Near 2010, 2012 is when the last eBay item went. And it came and went for hundreds of dollars because people didn't know what it was. Well, I can tell you, we covered this sale and it hit around $5,000. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell everybody that I paid over $9,000 for the thing. So that's how much this book meant to me as a person who was hunting for a grail. And I traded up to it. I like to do the gem mint style, gem mint. have the hobby fund itself. You know, I moved some books and I got an expensive grail that a lot of people would scoff at. But you know what? Over the last month, I was invited to go meet someone at your shop, Russ. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Well, uh, they ended up asking to be able to videotape this and show the actual page of the Hellboy. So Tom got to be in a Hellboy documentary with this book. Again, as long as I've been doing this, this is the only copy of this I've ever seen. Tom and I have been trying to find a copy of this forever. The fact that you even were able to acquire one is really mind-blowing. So this is, again, the one copy that we know of that has ever been traded publicly. It's so strange, but the director behind the next Mignola documentary, it's like the first official Mike Mignola documentary, he hit you up because he was nearby. Right. And then he got in touch with me um, via IG and said, hey, we're done filming the movie. We did everything. 
We met with Mignola. We met with Frank Miller. We, we met with uh, Neil Gaiman, right? Mm-hmm. And out of all the shots that they had, all the original artwork, I mean, they met with Mignola. Like, right. he, they had access to everything. At his house doing all of the, hey, what's the original art you drew? Yeah. They did not stuff. have a copy to show, like a nice visual representation of Great Salt Lake Comic Con, the pamphlet. So when he saw that I had one and he could find us at your shop, I went out there and my hands were indeed in the documentary. (laughs) I opened up the book to the spread and uh, the gentleman got some really good takes. And I'm excited to see the Mignola documentary. The comic fam knows that he's like one of my favorite artists of all time. The king of negative space. Well, this right here is the, the pinnacle of Mignola slash Hellboy grails to own outside of like original art. And that market, which we're not even touching on, are one of ones that go crazy. And they've been hitting all kinds of highs Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. But it keeps getting more interesting because the Hellboy depicted in this pamphlet, it's a demon. It doesn't look like Big Red. It doesn't look like Hellboy from Sea to Destruction. It looks like just a random character. And it says Hellboy on the belt buckle because Mignola drew a big belt and he wanted to fill it up. So he thought it'd be a good name, Hellboy. And that's why this means so much to Hellboy collectors because this right here is like the prototype version. So now the pinnacle of Hellboy collect, you know, in a Hellboy collector's collection, the pinnacle of Mignola collectibles is a pamphlet, which is also like a, it's a, it's a promotional item and it's not even of the actual character. It's a prototype. There was another finding between this book that most people didn't even know of until the most, you know, until like the last decade and the book that people started to find out about, Dime Press 4, which is the prototype of Hellboy officially. And that was Next Men 14, April 1993. Now, this is a crazy one. Again, another one of those true firsts that Topher found while just digging through an Legit. older issue. It's, we're talking 2020 that this happened? Yep. It took that long for this book to climb out of the dollar bin. Mm-hmm. And sprint its way over to average prices currently on key collector. High average is $20, 100 9.8 to this day. Oh, over 25 years from this book, Next Men 14 being printed for anyone to even realize that Hellboy was in there. Now, if you look at the fine print, the Indicia, it actually even says Hellboy property, Mike Mignola copyright, like it's in there. But if you're flipping through the pages, there is a poster in the background. It is a red poster and it is very clearly our friend Hellboy on there. So it is a color Hellboy the actual Hellboy that we know, and he happens to be in Next Men 14. It's like a poster, though. It's like it's a little little yep. sketch. Not here. a character. He's not speaking. No. It is just a poster in the background. So that happened recently. People uncovered that. They got really excited. I got excited. But there was also this other book that's rather expensive, and it came out in Italy. It was a magazine, and it was a miniature magazine. Yeah, Dime Press 4. And, uh, God, what year was it when I was showing that? copy off to you that I had. But I think it was before I opened the shop, so it yes. might have been 2011. Dude, I bought a copy from both of you guys. <laughs> yeah. So like, no, people didn't care about this book when I was When you it. showed it to me, it was the first one I'd ever seen, and I was actually shocked that it was not comic book size because I had heard of it, but I had never seen one in person. It's tiny. So when you're like, oh, I've got one, and you, like, showed it to me, I'm like, whoa, this is small. Next Men 14 came out in April 93. 
Dime Press number four is a May 1993 release. So we're talking within like 45 days, plus right. or minus 60 days, because, you know, stuff gets made and then sent out and sometimes it gets held. You know, like you know, there's, these dates are weird, but this is the order, as we know, based off of the printing. Yeah, I mean, somehow I got turned on to it. I can't remember where, but it ended up with like four or five copies. I had trouble selling them, but they were they still had like a legend market value because they were cool. And I remember talking to a guy in Italy who I got them from, and I think I might have made that contact through eBay at some point. Describe you know? that cover, because it's, it's not red Hellboy, but it looks just yeah, like Hellboy. Yeah, if I remember, it's like kind of a grayish, coolish gray, mm -hmm. kind of darker, and it's a guy kind of floating in the sky in a blue background yep. and this little picture frame Marvel type style, but yep. a little box. And it's a smaller book. I remember receiving it like, oh, this thing is not as big as I thought. But the guy had like 200 copies. Oh, my said. God. <laughs> Guys, this is a print run of uh, allegedly 2,000 that were created and distributed in Italy. And you had an opportunity to buy 200 of them. Comic Fam, recent sales, a 9.2 signed by Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy. By the way, doesn't typically charge for signatures. Um, he likes to do donations, which is a great way um, to get some of your Mignola covers signed, just mm -hmm. do a donation to a good cause at his table. I recommend you do it at conventions if he offers this service, but he doesn't charge for signatures, so it's not very expensive. A 9-2 signed copy went for $3,000 of this book. How does that feel, Jeff? Because I think I bought a copy off of you. It was a VF book for like 60 bucks. I'll tell you, so I felt great. Back in the day. Yeah, I felt great coming in today. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh, we're going to film, we're going to shoot. I had no idea what we were going to discuss. And we're discussing this, and um, I completely forgot about this book. I'll yeah. be honest with you. All right, I completely forgot about that thought, that story. And then you mentioned to me how I had several. And I was like, oh, you know what I did? That's right. We remember some really strange things about comic books. Mm -hmm. But don't you find it funny that we're sitting here, and you're saying you completely forgot about this comic book? And Russ and myself have both had this information that you've had this comic book in our brain for years. Like, we remember each other's acquisitions, and I will lose my own funny books sometimes. Yeah, that's what's kind of fun, too, about going through your boxes every once in a while as well, right? Because then you're like, oh, that's right. I have this book. You, mm -hmm. can't, you don't remember every piece. And I know I've been to shows as a dealer, mm -hmm. and people have their list. They have their list because they can't remember what they freaking have. So sorry for interrupting. How does it make you feel about this dime, Fres? Okay, reliving so, this. Yeah, yeah. So like I was saying, I came in in a great mood, right? Came into a great mood here all right, for the show. And then we brought it back this memory of... You know, remembering that I had this and this opportunity to buy 200 and I couldn't even sell the ones I had. Yeah, why didn't you? So you just thought it wasn't a good deal? Yeah, I just, I think I, there was something and the terms weren't right and I just didn't, I didn't do it. Okay. And in hindsight, now hearing, I, I had no idea. I've not looked up this book really for probably a decade. Oh. I haven't had one. I haven't looked it up because I just don't see it. And I just didn't really care. I moved past it. I moved past it. And to hear $3,000 for a 9 2 signed. Makes me want to go digging through my email and find this information, <laughs> but I'm sure he's educated himself now too. So anyways, that is a loss for me. Well, we just chatted about on a recent podcast. Uh, it was a couple episodes ago mm -hmm. about San Diego Comic-Con number two, because we've now talked about a pamphlet provided for free at a Comic-Con that a lot of people didn't go to. So it's mm -hmm. very low print. Then we talked about a poster sketch that wasn't even done by Mignola. Then we talked about an Italian foreign miniature magazine that kind of defies multiple odds there for being valuable because of the size and the fact that it's foreign, even though I love me some foreign comics. Mm. Well, now we're at what a lot of people have looked, has, you know, labeled as the first appearance of, of a Hellboy in, in story, San Diego comic-con issue number two from 1993. This would have came out in August. And this right here is a four page story co-written by John Byrne. And we have the first Team appearance of Monkey Man and O'Brien and the first appearance of Hellboy. This right here 
is a Comic-Con pamphlet again, but $700 sales for a 9.8. Well, and it's not even a pamphlet. It's an actual comic but book. It, it's yes. 32 pages, but there's only four pages of Hellboy. But the fact that it's not in color is why so many people don't want this book. It is scarce. It's tough to find, but I keep finding more people that would rather have the next book we want to talk about on the list. Dude, Next Men 21. Mm-hmm. This right here is uh, December 1993. The last of this list. The Hellboy lens. I'll bring it all back to this comic fam. First appearance of Hellboy in color on the cover. Mm-hmm. And it's a glorious back cover as well. $450, 9.8 sales. Yeah. So it sells for less than all except for the poster sketch appearance. Right. But still less than San Diego, less than Dying Press, and certainly less than the Great Salt Lake uh, pamphlet that debuted in 1991. This is the comic book that in Big Bang Theory, when there's like this joke, they're hunting for comics, they pull out this book. Like, ah, next man joining us. This is the first appearance of Hellboy. Mm-hmm. This is the one where like, this, this just the, if you're into comics, kind of, but you really want a Hellboy key book and you're like, I just want that. That is going to be the most likely thing that's going to go on that person's wall. What do right. you say? Yeah, and it's one that you're not going to be disappointed to own because the cover, he's on the cover. It's a great cover. Right. Just a cool book, and it's most commonly known, like you said, for first appearance of Hellboy. So you're like, great, I got a key. 450 for a key, first appearance of a character like that. I mean, that just that just sounds like value to me. And that San Diego Comic-Con, it's a tough book. I've had that book. It's super fragile, light paper, That blue whatever. on the cover chips really bad. Mm-hmm. You just like That white will stand out so much if there's even one slight crease. Yeah, and it's cool and all, but again, he's not on the cover. Right. And the design of the character makes you want to have a copy of this book with him on the cover. So you guys have been in comics a lot longer than me as far as dealing goes, especially with this caliber of book and these calibers. I mean, hell, you guys literally sold me some of the first copies I ever got right. over a decade ago. We've been doing this for a long time, guys. <laughs> of all the books on this list, although it is one of the lowest, would you say that that one, Next Men 21, has been the first appearance in general, for most buyers in your time as a dealer? Absolutely. Like, that's Ab- the one. That absolutely. Like, kind of reigns supreme for longest, right? Totally. Well, and it's one of those deals that, like, again, it's on the cover. It's in color. You either want that or you you want Seed of Destruction. Because if someone is... You're adding another. I, well, well, first well, solo story. First, first I love solo it. story. But, but the thing is that if, that if you want to get Hellboy appearances, you want him to be on the cover. We've had a massive shift in the past few years because more and more people want graded comic books over the raw books. And if you have a book that's graded, you can't open it. So even if you have the San Diego Comic-Con one, the only way you're going to know Hellboy's in it is if you look at that little tiny blue thing on the label. No. I want to be able to look across the room and go, that's my 9.8 that's Hellboy on the cover. Wait, but as a collector, okay, if you're a minor leaguer collector, mm-hmm. you know, you're just uh, dipping your toe in the sport of comic collecting. You're like, okay, next man number 21 is the place to go for first appearance. Right. You start becoming a rookie. Maybe you're finally made to the majors. You're a rookie. You're like, oh, then you're like San Diego Comic-Con. There it is. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the major leagues where you've been in it. You've learned more. You've been educated because for me... I'm kind of like, okay, those two books, the San Diego Comic-Con, Next Men 21. But now that I've been exposed and knowing more about the Dime Press where it's at now and the pamphlet, I'm like, oh, now that I've gained this knowledge, I can't help but want to have 
all of them. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of the the that the, is the, the whole hobby. circle. That that is comic collecting. And we're talking right now about crazy things that people buy because right. you would imagine you can imagine why someone would want it on the cover, but also on the interior or the prototype. And that's why I say the Hellboy lens. It's a great example of if you can understand these books and why people would value them, you can insert any IP, any other collectible, Golden Age, Silver Age. It could be Marvel, it could be DC, it could be independent, doesn't matter. And you can understand, oh, there is a value to that because there's a collector out there who wants it and then scarcity applies and then the condition applies. Can it be graded applies and all these other factors. I want it on the comment, se comment section. I almost did it again there, comic fam. Below, you know, obviously price, I'm sure, is going to be an indicator of something that you would want. But if you table price, let's just table price for a second. Just talk about the collectible. You can keep scarcity in there. But scarcity, separate scarcity from price. Because, as we know, Motion Picture Funnies Weekly is technically priced less than a Marvel Comics number one. So, table price for a second. Scarcity is, is fair game. Which of these Hellboy books would you actually want for collectible reasons? I want to hear in the comment section below. And we have a legend who's going to take the mic, you know? Um, I want to give a big thank you to... Nick B, Dynamite Comics, they have an Indiegogo that we have to bring to the mic, but no better person to talk to about it with than Jim Starlin. Welcome back to comics, Jim. I'll be real with the comic fam. I missed the first call with legendary creator Jim Starlin because I was deep in an adventure in the metamorphosis odyssey known as Dreadstar. 40 year anniversary, Jim Starlin, welcome to the show. Good to be here. So 40 years of Dreadstar, how does that feel? Well, it's also 50 years of me being in this business. It feels rather surreal. I can't believe at this point that I'm actually done anything for 40 years, let alone 50 years. Dreadstar and I have been around uh, the block together for quite a while there now. Uh, he's an old friend. And uh, you see, I can I feel comfortable wearing him. 50 years into business has been uh, a little strange. I didn't see hear that coming up until it was at the door. But we got interesting things we're doing, uh, doing this Dejathoris piece uh, with Dynamite right now. Indiegogo right now, Jim. I'm curious because, you know, I, I saw you a few years back at the convention and I believe it was San Diego, and you weren't doing a whole lot of drawing back then. It was one of the highlights of my year to find out that you were doing a, a brand new cover. You're back drawing. What's that like? And this is, I believe, your first Deja Thoris cover on John Carter of Mars. Yeah, uh, my co-collaborator and inker, uh, Jamie uh, Jameson, and I uh, took on this project. Uh, neither one of us had done anything along the Burroughs, uh, John Carter line, and... Uh, both very excited about getting into it. It's different, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to do the Barsoom guys, the guy with the eight legs, but uh, Deja Thoris is apparently the one who's the most popular right now. I wonder why. I can't understand why that Skippy outfit has nothing to do with it, I'm sure. But maybe I'll get a chance to do the, the big arm guys later, the Barsoom guys, I think. Barsoom's from uh, Mars itself. It's been a while since I read those books when I was a kid. You know, so I may be a little hazy on some of the details. Well, Deja Thoris is definitely beloved by the comic fam. Um, what's it like being back, you know, behind the, the, the easel, I imagine, that you draw on? Uh, it's fun. Uh, I, I hurt my hand about five years ago, blew a big hole in it, uh, compressed air accident. So it took me about three years to get the hand working again. 
But it's a great back at it because when I couldn't draw, I dreamt about drawing. And there's nothing more frustrating dreaming about drawing than waking up in the morning and going, I still can't do that. But a lot of ball squeezing, rubber ball squeezing, and other hand exercises, I got things going again. And the persistence of Jamie Jameson that I sit down and do her a Dr. Doom sketch uh, had a lot to do with me getting back on it. Uh, she didn't want Thanos, she wanted Dr. Doom, go figure. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy writing for other people, but I, I also enjoy drawing my own stuff. Well, to celebrate your 50 years in the industry, um, there is this Indiegogo. And aside from getting a cover done by, by yourself, Jim, you've also graciously provided um, ample amounts of creator comps. And I was hoping you can maybe describe a little bit of what that is. There are members of the community who I'm sure have never heard of this. And I'm holding right now a Strange Tales 178 that we're going to give away. And it has a cert on the back that says this certificate um, is to authenticate the artist proofs copy. Well, whenever I worked on a project for Marvel, DC, anybody, uh, there's a certain amount of comps that get delivered. They could be anywhere from 25 to two. And uh, all of these, for the most part, have been sitting in my closet in boxes for the last 50 to two years. And uh, when we started this Indiegogo, I went through and I dug out the things and looked at what we had and uh, realized we had some good books in there, some strange tales, some cults, uh, other different things weird that I worked on with Bernie Wrightson. They are in the, as uh, bonuses in the Indiegogo. So aside from being able to, to snag um, your takeover of Adam Warlock, um, as well as um, Shang-Chi, we also see here on this list Warlock Chronicles number four, Death of the New Gods number three. You even have provided original art as part of this Indiegogo. Mystery in space, multiple pages, and even a Dreadstar trading card set. Yes, that's going to be kind of exciting. 40th anniversary of Dreadstar, and he gets himself his own trading card set. You know, we had t-shirts before, but this will be the first trading cards. Uh, I just uh, proved all the prints on those things here just recently. During a legendary interview done by one of my best friends in the community comics with Bueller years ago, um, you had mentioned your crown jewel of creation, Pip the Troll. And back then, and I've watched many interviews with you since then, it was almost kind of like a joke, you know? Everyone's asking about Thanos for obvious reasons, but you'd always throw out there, yeah, but one day I always want to see Pip the Troll get his own series. I know you were shocked about Thanos, but how shocked were you about Pip the Troll at the end of the Eternals? Well, I had a little bit of advance notice on Pip, uh, so it wasn't quite the shock that it was going to see that first Avengers and everybody saying, hey, he shows up at the end, Thanos. Whenever I ran into Kevin Feige at the, the premieres, I always lobbied for Pip. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just figured he was the longest shot I could go for, and uh, he's actually there now. So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next time I run into anybody. I've run out of characters for them to, uh, to d dredge up to throw on the screen. Well, Patton Oswalt uh, voicing Pip, and it wasn't just that character that we saw. We saw Eros. We saw Star Fox, Harry Styles. Are you a One Direction fan? I, to be honest, I didn't know who he was when he first started up, but I've uh, gone on uh, uh, line and found out that I rather like his music. You know, I didn't know about it before then. Uh, I'm an old fart. You know, nothing, uh, nothing on my iPad uh, comes from before 1970, mostly. So uh, I, ha I had a little catching up to do with Harry Styles.
Oh, fantastic. So um, with Thor Love and Thunder, I don't want to get into, into any spoilers considering the time of this filming. Have you heard of any other characters that you, you, you influenced being in this movie? I have seen, I went to the premiere for Thor Love and Thunder. There was some confusion about who was going to be in there, but apparently I missed a number of my characters who were statues, apparently inside uh, one scene that goes on later on in the movie. I remember seeing the statues, but I was so busy watching what was going on that I didn't catch who the statues were of. So uh, I have to go back and see it a second time. There we go. Um, another surprise that I, I, I found myself reporting was that Will Poulter is attached to Adam Warlock, um, considering the Infinity Gauntlet is destroyed at this point. Granted, we have like time travel and, you know, variants and, and different universes. Universe I, I, I don't know. But we also don't have the, the gems anymore. Those are like locked away in like a time variance authority desk. You know, where do you think they could go with this, considering I always think of Adam Warlock being so directly tied to Thanos and that gauntlet? Well, multiple universes, once again, um, nothing says that the Time Authority was able to grab all of them. I think there's a good chance that Warlock may be running around with a soul gem on. Uh, Doesn't mean that the other ones have to show up. That would make him uh, rather unique in the fact that he steals souls. I don't think anybody else in the Marvel Universe does that other than uh, some of the vampire characters. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. 50 years in the industry, I had two uh, creative questions, if you if you wouldn't mind. Um, I was talking to a good friend of mine who's a Marvel writer, Sean McGuire, and I was trying to get some tips about writing. And I was surprised, but it made total sense. And she mentioned, well, the first thing you need to do is get into poetry. Start practicing writing poetry. It'll help your comic writing. And you're the first writer I thought of. You know, so much poetry um, that you brought into Marvel Comics. You know, it, it's uh, part of like the cosmic and the big ideas, you know, death and, and resurrection and, 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 and so many like big subjects. You know, what do you think about that tip? Poetry. Well, I wasn't thinking poetry. I was thinking about therapy and uh, philosophy when I uh, was doing the early uh, stuff. I was reading a lot of uh, Wilhelm Reich, Carlos Castaneda. I mean, uh, Jung, uh, you know, it wasn't particularly poetry. It was what I came out, kind of came out as poetic, I guess. My recommendations are to read everything, write everything, break your story down on three by five cards before you actually start, uh, you know, or outline one of the two so that you have the structure there. And then when you got your first draft done, read it out loud because nothing is more startling than listening to your own bad writing being repeated to you uh, on a level that you can hear. <laughs> it, fixes, it helps you fix things up. Amazing. Well, last question for you today, Jim Starlin. Um, I appreciate your time today. Dave Batista has officially announced that Drax the Destroyer, his time as portraying a character that you created, is coming to an end. And he was giving thanks to all those who were, were part of his, his journey, um, citing that this was the biggest thing that he's ever done in his career. Um, considering that Drax is a bit different than your creation from the comics, you know, what are your thoughts about his portrayal? Um, I always have seen you chat about Drax very fondly, um, as well as Dave Batista's adaptation of the character. Oh, yeah. I think what him and uh, Gunn did with the character was uh, terrific. Uh, 
easily the funniest thing in the Guardians movies. I mean, beating out the raccoon in the tree. Uh, Drax is the, the comedy relief. I mean, he's, he's the scene stealer. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, they did the visual from the later Drax and I, I tend to think of that what the, the actual personality is from the Infinity Watch Drax. Uh, this one's more autistic than brain damaged like he was in the, the watch, but it was still, you know, it was that childlike quality, uh, along with a, a nasty streak that uh, made the character so interesting. Uh, contradictions are always kind of uh, fun with the thing to watch. Fantastic, Jim. Comic fam, Indiegogo, link in the description. 50-year anniversary, 40 of Dreadstar. So many perks, so many comics. Jim Starlin, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. Geek responsibly. Big thank you to Jim Starlin for joining me on the mic there. Um, this Indiegogo, the link is in the description. I encourage everybody to hit that link. I wanted to add something to this conversation, but I didn't want to talk to him about it on the mic because this is a celebration, all right? Mm -hmm. Jim Starlin is back, and he mentioned it briefly, that he was taking a little bit of a hiatus because of an injury. And I wasn't going to talk to him about that because we got to talk about Deja Thor. So we got to talk about him being back on a damn cover, which is an amazing thing. But he was public about his injury, and it was a freak accident. And it's really fortunate to have him back. And I want to just really press that if you are interested in supporting creators that made everything that you enjoy in some of these comic stories, but also on the screen, now is your damn time. Agreed. I mean... I don't know how far we want to get into it. I mean, you should just, let's, let's explain it to him. Cause I want right. the comic fam to know that we almost lost this artist's ability to draw and he's back. Yeah. I mean, again, this is his livelihood, right? This is his identity. Okay. So, and he, for doing what he's done for as long as he's done, getting recognition and being known for what you do and to have your hand taken away from you potentially from a freak accident. Well, listen real quick. It was a freak accident. You can yeah, say absolutely. That. It is a freak accident. Okay, and we've talked, we know how dangerous soda is for you, okay? Sugar, <laughs> yeah, like there's a, sugar. Lot, there's of a lot of sugar in soda, soda, right? Soda this big is like this much sugar. <laughs> we know that's terrible for your body. There's other dangers, though. There are other dangers, and when we say freak accident, what we are referring to is those soda-making machines that just shoot a little bit of flavor mm -hmm. into a com bottle with Adding bubbles. The compressed air, yeah. Right. Like right. Infusing the water, making your own soda. So imagine going on your day, trying to just get some soda, which millions and millions of people do with this machine, and it blows up. And theoretically, that's what happened. He almost lost his hand and potentially an eye because he scraped his cornea from a horrifically obnoxious, unexpected accident. I heard him say that he like almost blew a He either did or almost blew a hole through his hand. Comic fan, this is why you have to always be wearing your Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, oh this God, is he, he would have been more protected. But oh but in all seriousness. Except for the loot crate, uh, you know, the, the oven mitt? Because that one got <laughs> recalled. Got recalled? Oh, my god! Don't gosh. use that Infinity Gauntlet. Don't, don't I use do that have one. that. I'm so and sorry, I Jim. I love you, man. I did not know it was recalled until you told me. And it's funny you said that because it's like, you know, I've tried to grab hot things for it. Uh -huh. And it does not work very well. <laughs> no. it's, it literally feels... Like maybe six, seven sheets of bounty, 
like paper towels or you're holding it with. And I was like, I rarely used it. I maybe grab stuff out of my convection oven, Mm -hmm. but like grabbing a hot pan, like I did not use it. So after you told me that, it literally now hangs as a decoration in my comic room and is no longer used in the kitchen. Where has this conversation gone? (laughs) Jim Starlin is back. He is back. and, And how amazing it is that he is back it's like a special thing mm-hmm. and link in the description get yourself some like dread star cards guys we have um comp copies i mentioned it in the video but i want to just spell this out this isn't the only giveaway we're doing this stream strange tales 178 this is one of jim starlin's um signed copies that he got for um doing the run and and, and writing this book so his and personal copy artist proof awesome Signed, uh, Strange Tales featuring Warlock issue 178. Comment down below, but do yourself a favor. Click on the link and uh, throw out your uh, Loot Crate oven mitts, your your, your gauntlet oven mitts, and, and go sign up for the Indiegogo and get some dope Jim Starlin art. Shout out Dynamite Comics for teaming up and making that a reality. Also, I, I did mention, as we begin to talk about the creation of invisibility... Something kind of strange, which was being reminded about comics that your friends have owned. We're talking about Dime Press. Mm-hmm. And I happen to be wearing a Infinity Gauntlet classic story, issue number one. And I know there's a story here that you guys have mentioned, but the comic fan has to hear it. So, so Jeff feeling bad about losing out on the opportunity to get 200 copies of Dime Press for, I have something very, very similar. Now, it's probably less painful for Jeff because if you guys were paying attention to the podcast 65 that Tom and I did, we talked about meeting and I also talked about the first time I met the Golden Age Guru, bought the big collection from your storage unit. In that storage unit, there was half a long box, at least 150 copies of Infinity Gauntlet number one that I ended up basically giving away in grab bags on eBay when I first started my eBay business. So pretty much like 25 cents a copy. And then a few years after that, the movie came out, the Avengers movie, with Thanos in it, and then they basically did the whole Infinity Gauntlet thing. So Jeff basically gave me, I don't know, $3,000 worth of Infinity Gauntlet comics back in the day that I gave away for pennies on the dollar. So both got screwed there. Sorry, dude. I can't believe you did that. I gave that to you so that you can start your business, okay, knowing that you would just maximize every what dollar guy. there every and single you bit. went and just gave them away i did well that's why you kept all of the secret wars number eights yes so. and wolverine ones <laughs> and tens and by the way i i never told you this in this collection had bound volumes okay okay bound volume of x-men one through a hundred including the two giant size all put in in the correct story arc oh, in five volumes that's gorgeous. i still have that Really? I've, I've yeah. seen it. You kept it. It's my, part of the guru stash. Yeah, my goal was to read that to my kids as a book, which I did not do. Another goal that not met by the guru. But I still have it. I love it. It's the only X-Men one I have. Well, you left me 20 copies of Killing Joke number one first print, and I made a hell of a lot of money off of it. So we did okay. How did I do that? (laughs) I have no idea. Comic fam, hit the like, (laughs) slap the subscribe button. Where are you getting comic book themed content like this anywhere? (laughs) Hot damn. Let's talk about the creation of invisibility. Because we've talked about the different things that people like to buy and how strange it can get. But also, I hope you've learned a little bit about... 
why the kind of like behind that thought process, what's mm-hmm. going through the buyer's brain? Because, you know, I'll tell you some of these, these really tough books, these scarce books, they're, they're ones you think about. They're the ones that you may never see again. Right. And, and that's a, an aspect of scarcity and FOMO, but also it's like the funnest part of the collectible, but everybody's different. Well, we're gonna talk about the creation of invincibility. We've been teasing it all podcast. But before we do that, we have to talk about a bad idea, terrible idea, something that is so, so out there that many people think should, it's like the the worst way to create and distribute comic books. But you know what? As soon as you say that it sounds like a bad idea, you are now falling into the brilliance of the marketing. We're talking about bad idea comics. Yeah, I'm going to uh, refer this to to Russ. The better the LCS uh, discuss bad idea than myself. So I... When I first heard about Bad Idea Comics, it was one of those things that, yeah, I kind of agreed it was a bad idea. And this is not just a play on the name, but when they had all of these restrictions over what you needed to do to be able to be a person who could be... First of all, you had to like throw the name of your shop into a special ring and then kind of like justify your existence and then tell them why it would be a good idea to let you sell Bad Idea comic books. And... It was something that a lot of shops I know applied for it and very, very few were approved. I think in the very opening wave, there were only 25 shops all across the country that were even allowed to sell these comic books. So it wasn't on a lot of people's radars. People online knew about it. Instagram people were talking about it. They heard about some of these comics and they're like, hey, do you know if you'll be able to sell a bad idea? And I said, probably not because it was such a tough thing to get into. So all of a sudden, people don't know what's happening. They get a special package in the mail of this comic book that they had never heard of, some promotional ash can called Hero Trade that ends up being the first bad idea ash can. People didn't know this at the time. And all of a sudden, we've got a website out. There's the name of a bunch of shops, but people still don't know what books they're able to sell. Then we start hearing about this one comic that's coming out, the ENIAC comic, which all of a sudden everyone wants but sells out immediately. And for the people that couldn't get them, what are they going to do when they can't get first prints? Oh, Bad Idea's got another good idea. Let's do the not first print comic book. So people who wanted ENIAC but didn't get the... How many of the first prints were there? Do you know? Was I don't 3, know what the... I heard it was a very small print run. Yeah, it had to have been a small print run. And then, as you mentioned, and to catch people up, just in case you're not following, this is a, a, a standard, just independent... Um, publishing company called Bad Idea, and they make comic books, and they're doing it in a unique way at this point in time. And they put out an issue number one, and they sold out because there's only so many stores that can even hold them. Right. And it was aggressive, and it was a a tough book to get, so it was valuable. Um, This was a company created by Dinesh Shandasani, as well as um, other members that have teamed up with him in the past. This is a former um, owner of Valiant Comics who um, sold the company. Very successful, one of the biggest art collectors in the world. So mm-hmm. this is someone who loves comics, who really knows comics, but he also knows the collectible very well. Creating a cover A that was never going to go back to print right. preserves cover A. Had to get me some comic butch. So instead of going second, third, fourth printing, they made a not first printing that they publicly stated they would go back to the well on. They would reprint to the end of time. So if you wanted to get the comic book, you can. They'll reprint it eventually. But essentially killing the market on the not first printing but preserving 
issue A as the collectible. This right here had some of the most thought out intentions to preserve and create a collectible comic book and to serve the collector's market, the aftermarket. And they would go on to make a handful of books. We would get Wellsville, we'd get Tankers, um, we would get um, Pirate Queen. Yeah, right? they that had was, that really passive-aggressive like book yeah. where they were actually entirely different, like stuff on the inside. Right, and it's great to be able to see that. Dinesh Shamdasani is an absolute marketing genius. And for every single time someone tries to talk negatively anything about this company, you just go, there is a genius there. When they had the website where you had to click the button before they started a company. What was right? it? Click the button and we'll, we'll start a company and write a comic book. And it was just like people had to click a button on a website mm -hmm. and eventually it hit the number and they started a comic book. And then they actually had a countdown to when they were going to fold the company and go out of business. Because right now, as of this second, Bad Idea Comics is no longer a comic book company. Oh my gosh. You're following. And we're going to get to invisibility in this comic, this commentary comic fam. Karma Chameleon. <laughs> Bear with us. Hit the likes off the subscribe button. But you're right. They would market that they were ending their titles. Yep. And they they closed shop. Mm -hmm. But then they came back as a donut company. We got to get through donuts before we can talk about invisibility, damn it. This donut company launched, and it was like at South Carolina Comic Con. Bad Idea shows up as Bad Idea Donuts because that's the official new company right. brand. And they sold a box with the donut in it that came with a free comic book if you were paying attention to instagram yes bunsen beaver if you were paying attention to instagram that weekend the slew of pink boxes was absolutely insane all i could see the entire time was i got my pink box i got my pink box people were excited about this donut company people weren't even really talking about the comic book until the week afterwards when i think the people who hadn't been paying attention went oh, there's a new comic out that I'm supposed to be paying attention to because it was all about the donuts and the boxes at first, and then it was about the comic. Well, yeah, because you think you got a free comic book. It's by this company. People are waiting in line. Yeah, it's silly. But then the book and the boxes started selling for like $100, $150 a set. So <laughs> the, the idea is here is that it's probably not a good idea to close up shop and then come back as a donut company when it's like, yes, it's satire comic fam. It's all satire, but it, it adds to the collectible because of the way it was created, the way that it was deployed. Mm -hmm. And um, shout out Nate made it by the way, who is an artist that works for us. He works with the channel right. who is actually the designer of the logo of the donut. Did you guys know that? Oh yeah. So like cool. The, the donut logo on that pink box. He's the person who, who created that image, but yeah, he's, he's like working with Dinesh. Dinesh. Dinesh is a homie of so many members of the comic community. And that's why we have to now bring it back to what happened prior to the company ending, you know, before they would come back as a donut company, but we got to go back to Emerald city. That's right. 2021, I was at a meeting with so many damn people. And Jeff, you were there. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, there was, there had to be at least 40, 50 people because the meeting took place in a very public space. It wasn't okay. even really a meeting. It was like a get together. We had dinner, a gathering and then members of different groups all gathered together. It's important to kind of paint this picture. We're at a bar 
Dinesh and some bad idea peeps are there. Um, Jack DeMeo was there. Ryan was there. We had like the whole crew there. My dad was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Shortbox was even there. I mean, there was a lot of people in this one bar, 50 plus people. And there was this very funny, conceptually funny item being passed around. And it was a 9.8 CGC slab, an invisible comic book. That one right there. Right here. This is the actual copy. I believe it was because we're going to get into census counts. But we have in my hand, Comic Fam, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or iTunes, I am holding a CGC slab, as is the Golden Age Guru, as is Russ Bright. All of us have an invisible comic in I, our hand. I, I, I think I lost mine. Did you freaking dude, lose yours? It's right there, dude. I told you to like, keep it out. No, it's no, tough no. to I, yes. There you go. It's, it's, it's it comic foot chair on it. So we're Jeff. Let's let's paint the picture. We're 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 chilling, chilling with us. We'd be drinking, and then the energies just lifted up, didn't it? Okay. So yes, and let me explain that because I was there before you, and I had been doing my social floating around at the bar. Plenty of libations. Everyone's having a great time. This is post convention now. It's in the evening. We're having a blast. Right. You guys walk in, take a seat, and there's a little chatter, okay? Everyone's excited. Dinesh is in the house, like, whoop, whoop, bad ideas here. I start walking over, and that's I'm like... That, that's what you said. You said, whoop, 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 whoop bad ideas here. That's, so go, that's the new marketing for a bad I go, idea. Yeah, I go over there because there's, there literally is a little chatter and buzz, a little more excitement, new people in the space, and there's this comic, all right? And shout out to Stray Flexin, because I think I saw it in Stray Flexin's hands first there. And uh, I'm like, what the hell is that thing? So what was being passed around is this right here. I'm holding a 9.8 CGC slab. And we're joking before here, comic fam. I know, we're just joking. Take it easy. We're having fun here today. Conceptual funny is number one. What I'm holding here, as a matter of fact, like a reality, mm-hmm. is a 9.8 graded copy of a piece of plastic acetate with two staples in it and nothing on the inside. There's no pages. There's nothing here. It's all plastic in this case. And this is what it reads. CGC Universal Grade 9.8. Conceptual Funnies number one. Bad idea. 1220. Invisible edition. First disappearance in comics. Bad idea created invisibility. And I don't have the only copy on the set. What do you have, Guru? When I was there, I heard that there was 9.8 available for sale. I was like, oh, that's dope. You know, everyone's excited for the 9.8. I was like, hey, so how many are there graded of this book? It's like, well, there is a 9.9, there's a 10. And I was like, well, how much for the 10? Is it any different in price? He's like, no, same price. I was like, I'll take it. So quickly I jumped up and I was like, I will take the 10.0. So Guru is holding a Gem Mint 10.0 copy. And let me tell you the fun thing about this outside of that, it's done by my favorite artist too. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, you love this artist. Yeah, Thomas Gioreo which I'm sure I butchered it, but he is my favorite artist. He can do that. <laughs> Did the cover art to this. <laughs> it's so funny. And the other thing is, if you ever wonder what you look like, if you ever wonder what you look like in a comic, boom, this is how you do it. You just get to put it over your face. Now, this didn't stop here because Guru just spilled the beans. You purchased this. You weren't the only one. Because, <laughs> you know, as soon as the Guru grabbed it 
And we found out that these were in existence. We're we'll getting into the experience of finding these for the first time. Russ, you had to get one yourself. I absolutely did. And for those of you that have been paying attention to what me and Tom have been doing for a while here, uh, you know I love my low grade. And I <laughs> needed to get the low grade, lowest grade complete copy it looks I terrible, actually dude. got. It really does. The staples Rough. are terrible. It actually, like, it really looks like they roughed up the staples and did something on this to make it look a little bit messy. But yes, a one. 1.0, the lowest grade complete copy of the Invisible comic book. I had to get it. And I have even heard that if you heat this up, it is readable. Oh my gosh. So I was thinking about <laughs> cracking it out and just running it with it. Because it's a 1.0. I'm really not oh that worried God. about messing it up. Comic we can press Cam. it. Oh my gosh. He kids, he kids. We're going to get into the prices on these and... Um, we're, we're going to blow your mind here because this is all going to come full circle today because we're talking about crazy things people buy, right? Well, I'll tell you, my homies paid some crazy money for these things. And we're going to get into that. But when this invisible comic was shown to me at that bar, I, f I saw something so silly. I saw it's really what it is. You know, we, I got a good kick out of it. Mm -hmm. I knew it was something special. The first thing you think of is, oh my gosh, CGC graded this. It is definitely one of these moments, right? You're right. like, wow. And then you think, oh, CGC graded this. Like, this is a thing that Dinesh was able to pull off. Like, that's kind of impressive. Like, they're in on this conceptual funny. And then you think, wait a minute, there's more of them? And then I saw the looks on all my friends' faces. I mean, there's a lot of homies, man. The comic fam is big. Yeah. And when this was getting passed around, what did you experience, Jeff? So I looked at it again as a promotional book. So when it said, con when it's conceptual funnies, again, I think motion picture funnies weekly. I think a promotional book, a 10.0 is an option. I was like, oh my God, I can just buy my way into a 10.0 of a conceptual book potentially here. Everyone's buzzing about it. It's just a novelty. It's a fun thing that you think and that's actually out there now in a CGC holder. So it's more than just like something somebody put staples on and folded plastic and made it in their, in their van. That, right. that room was buzzing. That room was buzzing. There and were it, dealers laughing hysterically. Yeah, because it's more than like, you know, you think, okay, you're just putting on a show. You're like, okay, I'm just going to blow smoke up this, you know, multi-gajillionaire's bottom and just try to win him over. When you're like, <laughs> but this is genuine. You know, you're looking at these people and I know these people like they would just straight up either not be laughing or just think it's like ridiculous. These are serious dealers. These are people who yeah. have some expensive paper. So when they saw this, they were getting such an enjoyment out of it. And then I also can say that shout out straight flexing. He, he just like started throwing hundred dollar bills on the table. Didn't he? He did. He, He's he like, did. I, I want it. How much? And he, he pulls out another and another. And it was hilarious, Comic Fam. This guy pulls out $1,000, throws it on the table, and says, I need this 9.8. Because it was resonating, right? It was really like sinking deep to the mm -hmm. collectors, the dealers in this moment. And I'm seeing something special take place here because of the absurdity. But also what it symbolizes, what it means. This right here, we talk about expensive paper a lot, all right? We say it as a joke, but that's what it is. It sounds funny to say it, expensive paper, but that's... You know, we're talking about stuff that's nicknamed after precious metals that for some parts over the last couple of years has done better than precious metals as far as investments and in stocks go. And this right here is a layer beyond expensive paper. It's not even paper. It's all plastic. It's see-through. 
It's conceptual. It is indeed funny. And both of you guys bought a copy. These comic books were advertised first after news broke on Bleeding Cool. They found a picture that I posted on Instagram. They called me a, what do they call me, a, a collector? They said, uh, seen um, on the Instagram of Comic Tom, a collector. Yes, that's what they said here. And yes, we have to read you the announcement when this came out because this would have taken place prior to the ending, quote unquote, of Bad Idea, mm-hmm. but um, post the release of multiple comic books. Like this would have right. been one of the final comics, quote unquote, that they released. Behold, the world's first and only invisible comic book, the Knuckleheads at Bad Idea Labs, then lost almost the entire damn run. In their defense, the comics are invisible. Thank goodness they invented the invisible comic book and not the invisible staple. Oh my goodness, hilarious. Well, after weeks of searching, we managed to locate just 34 solitary copies. The rest were afraid are lost for good. To ensure we don't lose them again, we immediately brought the 34 copies to the amazing people at CGC for grading and encapsulation. So 34 copies exist on the census, and I looked them up today for filming, and there are only 34 copies. In every grade, including a .5, no 1.8, and a total of 11 9.8s on the census. So there are more 9.8s than anything else, right? but all the rest of them were just per grade one in existence. I think, Russ, you can press yours to a 1.8. I, I, I'm going to work on a 1.8, actually. I think I can. If I could get that staple to be a little less mungy right there. Mungy? Mungy. So... What then took place was the availability of them on the market. Mm -hmm. And prices were a make an offer for one of them. And they worked out the deal kind of behind the scenes and sold off the copies. And we found out that they were for sale. And I sent you both the information and you got in touch with Bad Idea. Because I didn't want one. I just didn't want one. I knew how expensive they were going to be. And it didn't get me excited enough to say, you know what, I need to spend more than $1,000 on this because I had a feeling it would be sold for over $1,000. So I kind of touched on this already, but I heard what that one was selling for, the 9.8, and I quickly committed to the 10, which wasn't even there. Technically, Stray Flexen actually purchased one, like he reserved one for 1000 yeah. so he set the, the price for that. Yeah, because that was a price he accepted. I was like, and then I heard there was one 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 nine nine and one ten L, and I was like, well, if I'm going to do a 9.9, I'm doing a 10 I was like... Okay, well, how much for a 10-0, though? So you committed, like, right away, and it made sense why you did it. Yeah, because I was going to buy one. Anyways, I was like, I'll just buy one. So what'd you pay? And so then the price for the 10-0 was also $1,000. So I was like, that makes absolutely no sense. But you said it. I'm going to be like, hell yes. Just uh, I'll pay you now. And he's like, no, don't pay me now. we got to go through the office. So I just stayed in touch and coordinated with him. And while I got my 10-0, and I got a letter. Oh snap! Okay, so you actually got this first because I think Russ, you were the you were like on the fence a little bit, or I was did... waffling. Well, because I had heard that what they were going to do was they were going to trickle them out slowly, and they were going to have kind of like a bidding war thing with people who had already jumped through some special hoops to be able to apply to do a bad idea entry, right? And I didn't know how much I wanted to go through it, and yeah, yeah I was kind of on the fence, but, but Jeff was. 
in. Jeff was in 100% from the beginning. So you would end up getting one, you know, because yep. you put your bid in too. There was, I think they were surprised of how many people were interested in yeah. them. And hearing that already a couple went for 1,000, which probably because you put your offer in right away, you, you made your decision quick, the price started to move. Oh, big time. All right, so we're going to get to that here in a second. But you have, you, you get your 10.0. You get it first in the group. And it came with a letter. Why don't you read them the letter? Yeah, let me read you this letter here, guys, like you said. And keep in mind, too, as you're reading the letter, we'll put a picture of it on the screen. The ink for our audio listeners, it starts to fade closer to white, like as if they're running out of ink to print the letter that came with this. Oh, yeah. This letter is extra special because it goes, it does follow the lead of the book. What would an invisible comic be without an invisible letter? To commemorate the release of the invisible edition of Conceptual Funnies. Ooh, invisible edition. I wonder if there'll be an uninvisible edition. Maybe. Of which there are only 34 copies and for which every copy is CGC graded. We're giving away copies of the visible edition of Conceptual Funnies number one. To get one, simply follow the instructions that follow. Use the mailing address listed below and don't miss the deadline detailed here forth. After this message is a large gap of space where I thought I might have to do something to get this to show writing. Cause I don't know how far bad idea goes. How bad is this idea? Is There's it a, horrendous? Is a blank space that, that tells you like the vital information is not there. Yeah. It's signed your pals. Bad idea. My pals would write with invisible ink. I held it to a candle. I urinated on it, hoping that it would release some type of scripture, it which it did not. I then had to press it and dry it. <laughs> I bet that stung. Rapidly. It stunk, but the the The, the things you're making us dealers do, <laughs> comic fam, hit the like button, slap the subscribe. Where are you getting this comic theme content? Anywhere on the planet. Yes, and that was a bad idea, by the way. Which plays into bad idea. It does. Damn it, Dinesh. So this letter might have been a prank by Dinesh to me. Saving you guys all from it, so. <laughs> all right, so Russ, you have a 1.0. I do have a 1.0. How much did you pay for your 1.0? Uh, so I ended up paying $1,000 for mine. And um, pretty much we knew that people were kind of bidding for them. And you could tell them what grade you were bidding for. And again, I shot for the bottom because I figured there would be fewer people looking for a lower grade one than the higher grade one. Sure. And then I was kind of waffling, like I said, and I said a thousand dollars and then I was like, maybe I don't want it. And the response I got was, well, if you don't want it, I'm sure someone will pay more for it. So that locked me in. At that point in time, I'm they like, They probably Fuck. wanted to get a little bit more because people started. I heard people paid like $3,000 for this comic fam. There was a confirmed eBay sale of a 3.5 for what? $2,400 was That's that what right. we had on that? At the time of this filming. $2,500. Um, $2,500 listed. There's a 3.0 that's listed for 2,500. There's a 7.5 listed for 5,000. March 2022, a 3.5 sold for $2,200. Okay, so on the free market, after Bad Idea was even selling them, some eBay seller sold their copy, a 3.5, for $2,200. So again, in the open market, we've already seen one of these exchange hands. All right, so... I want to ask you now, Russ, what about this besides, like it sounds, I'm hearing a, a hint of FOMO in, in, in your description here. Was it just FOMO that made you want to commit? 
Because, man, a thousand bucks, you could get a pretty damn cool comic for that. Okay, so th- this is one of those things. And if we really want to go into this, we're all in sales, right? And a lot of the people who are dealers in this market know that there's the sell the sizzle, not the steak idea. And sometimes it's not about what you're holding. It's about how it makes you feel. Sure. Right? And a lot of times a buyer will buy a variant cover because they like the Adam Hughes art or they like the art Adam's beautiful cover. They aren't buying it because of what's inherently in the comic book. They're buying it for a feeling. And in addition to going... This is kind of a cool idea. It's a very novel concept. There's that whole the emperor has no clothes thing, but we get to be a part of this. Yeah. And this is like, own it a it's almost bit. like theater, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, this is an interesting thing. This is something cool. It makes me feel good about it. It doesn't matter that, it, you know, it's the first appearance of X and such, or it's the first disappearance of anything. This makes me feel cool. So it's willing for, I'm willing to throw my money at something like this, even though other people might go, dude, that's stupid. I like it. I go. think it's awesome. It's worth it. So buying something, something that some people think is crazy. You <laughs> Can I say, say something here? Let's Being it, yeah. the only one here with a graded copy that doesn't have a period in it. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you feel better? <laughs> I do, feel, do you feel cool? I do feel this Cobra Kai shirt is a little more inflated with my chest right oh. now because I walk around just, a little taller. Just sweep the leg, man. <laughs> it's like you got... You know, tattoos in your back pocket. You know, it's up, up, uh, it's upping your your self worth. Right. This is the AF fifteen of Invisible Comics, guys, or the maybe AF even 15. Action One of Invisible. Perfectly. Comics. I mean, this starts a new era because, again, if we had the start of the Golden Age and the start of the Silver Age and the start of the Bronze Age, this is the start of the Invisible Age of comic books because we haven't had a new age in forever. It's been current for almost forty damn years, and on so top we of, might as well have the Invisible Age. Yes, and on top of that, let's talk about materials being used now for comics we're seeing metal comics right we're seeing acrylics <laughs> we are i mean people are using other composites other materials to push this hobby in a different fashion carbon fiber publishing carbon companies fiber. are already coming out and upset about the fact that there is such a paper shortage that they have to release and print fewer copies image has even come out and said they're not going to do second printings of the books because they don't have enough paper so we might as well just make them plastic comic fam this is the kind of stuff that you're here for i hope <laughs> We made this make a little bit more sense. If it doesn't make sense, it's okay. Just trust us. But but basically what we're trying to say is here that Russ and Jeff both spent combined $2,000 on a bunch of plastic. Now, I am indeed sitting here with a 9.8. This is not my copy. This is a lucky member of the show's copy. In the future, comment down below. We're giving away a 9.8 invisible comic book. Wow. All you have to do is comment. Let me know what you think about this video. What do you think about the notion of you know individuals in this marketplace buying something that many would think is crazy? But it's 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 about the experience, is what I'm hearing you say, Russ. It's mm-hmm. about the scarcity. It's it's about the the chance to own something that no one may ever get the chance to own again. Something that is a one of one for the examples that you guys have. Right. And I think that's a special thing. And I hope we can kind of break down a little bit of the psyche behind the collectible or the, the collector rather and, and make it at least try to make it a little more sense. Well, let's, let's make this a journey for this book too. What is the, the number on that label? What is the CDC number? Because as all of us watching this, you now can be part of this journey. If you ever see this book again with this number, who am I pop out on eBay? 
but we don't know what a copy in a 9.8, which is an extremely high grade for this book. <laughs> it's not on GPA, Comic Fan. There's only one sale on GPA, and it's the one I told you. 3.5, March 2022 for 2200. Mm -hmm. So what is the number so we can all follow? Okay, 1.627321030. If you are interested to follow the life of this 9.8 invisible comic book, what are the odds? I can tell you. It could be, it's 50-50 that someone is going to get this from a giveaway. Well, it's going to be 100% they're going to get it, but it's going to be 50-50 if they even want to keep it. They may want to just sell it because it is so conceptually funny that they don't value it the same as maybe someone else would. And we can find out if a 9.8, this specific one, ever hits the marketplace. Comment down below. Let me know what you think. Um, if you have any questions for the Golden Age Guru, for Russ, the comic sensei, um, where can they find you? Outside of whatnot, the links are in the description. Uh, Instagram, uh, Golden Age Guru. Find me there. Same thing like we said on whatnot, Golden Age Guru. Oh, yeah. Instagram as well. Milgi Comics on Instagram or milgeekcomics at gmail.com. Two fantastic ways to get a hold of me. Comic fam, we did it. That's Bags and Boards, the podcast number 67. We appreciate your time today, as always. Geek responsibly. Enough said. You want to tell me the rest of the story? Uh, no, I just don't know where you want us to go after that because you were talking about visibility, bad idea, and I'm not sure where you want to go with yep. that, but the, cro the crows I got were from that. Are story. you f kidding me? No. All those 9-8 crows? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's okay. $2,000 for 88 long boxes. I did okay. Oh, you did great. I, uh, <laughs> we, I, I did okay. And you made you out like a bandit. But that was just because I held on for shit way too oh long. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Too. Yeah, f*** those crows. Oof. Oh, man. That would have been awesome if you had missed those. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Sorry. Oh, uh, it's a good time to pause, actually. With the police? <laughs>